Hello there, thanks for joining us on the Suffolk Money podcast. As you know, there are three things that you can do with money. You can spend it, you can save it, or you can give it away. And that's why we speak to people in Suffolk who deal with each of those three arrangements. Entrepreneurs and business owners, financial experts, and community groups and charities who can receive those donated funds. Well, today's episode is with a really interesting guy, George Pennell, who started VivoClean while he was in the middle of the pandemic. So he's only been running for just over a year, and within that time, he's been involved in some incredible uh, locations where he's been cleaning film sets, as well as the uh, more mundane arrangements, but delivering a great service to his customers, to the extent where there's now something else on the horizon, another area that he's looking to deliver a solution for. So please listen to George Pennell and the story of VivoClean. George, it's a, a great pleasure to welcome you here. You're the Managing Director of VivoClean, and we'll find out about VivoClean in a minute or two. Um, but I'm intrigued. How, how did you, um, well, you know, was that your ambition when you were at school to start a business? Um, not especially, to be honest with you. Um, I, th- I think when I was, uh, you know, when I was going through school, I, I just didn't really have a clue what I wanted to do. Um, to be honest with you, I had, I had various different ideas of, of uh, you know, people to, uh, you know, people to aspire to be like, or companies to work for. Unfortunately, the uh, the dream of becoming a professional footballer sort of like went out the window quite early on. Um, when that I realised many, I think, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Sadly. Um, <laughs> um, but no, I, I had I had various ideas, but none of those ideas really involved working for myself. It was all about you know joining industries where you know whether it was you know public service or whether it was um you know working for a corporation it was always it was always working for someone else to be honest with you um and I think it was only when I sort of got myself out into the real world and experienced experienced uh life in a variety of different jobs that I thought I could do what they do. I could do what they do and sort of, you know, piece a few things together and, you know, sort of here we are, really. What was your first career? What was your first job when you began um, so, work? Yeah, it, it was working within sport. So I went to I went to Suffolk New College and I and I uh, uh, done a done a diploma in sport and I was very invested in, in sports coaching, uh, predominantly predominantly squash. That was that was that was my go to and. You know, I sort of I worked worked doing that. You know, self-employed. I was working at various primary schools and, you know, coaching privately at a um, uh, at Ipswich Sports Club as well. And um, and yeah, it was it, it was all about sport for me, really. Um, you know, that was sort of the the key sort of the key sort of passion um, up until you know, for, well, for for a good eight years, I'd say, from sort of sixteen to. So sort of about 20, 23, 24. Yeah. What what happened next? What where did you move on to? At that um to be honest with you, I just I just sort of I think because I've been doing you know sport from such a young age, from like the age of from the age of sort of like, you know, five or six and then going straight into coaching, I'd sort of 
that wanted to experience something a little bit different, really. And, um, you know, I think I think it was at that point that I was really thinking, OK, you know, I want to. I want to progress up in something and uh, and 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 build a bit of a career. And uh, a friend of mine was working working within security and sort of progressed up into sort of supervisory roles and things like that. And I thought, you know, I could I could probably give that a little bit of a go. I'm quite good at talking to people, and you know, my organisational skills are quite good. So, um, you know, I sort of embarked on that journey really, and I've done that for a few years. So that was. That was working, uh, working, working on on nightclub doors, and it was also, you know, sort of doing doing security work during the daytime and trying to do as many training courses as possible, CCTV and various other bits and pieces, and um, you know, looking to to progress as, as as far as I could in that. Really, quite early into that, I sort of decided, look, you know, this is this is probably not going to be, you know, be me long term. You know, I don't want to. You know, could I see myself doing this for the next 20, 30 years? Probably not. So, um, when did the realization come that it was time to start your own business? Um, well, I mean, it's sort of it's a progress from security where then I decided that I wanted to become a teacher. Um, went to university to get a degree, and then I um, and then I uh, during the summer I I got a uh, I got a summer job working for a recruitment company, just doing some admin work for them. Progressed quite well in that. And, and when you fall into recruitment, um, you, it's almost like your own mini business, but working with somebody else, you know, going out, winning clients, you know, speaking to, um, you know, other people, candidates, getting them into jobs. And, you know, you've got to look at, you know, profit margins and negotiation, things like that. So I think that was probably where I first got the, you know, the buzz for, the buzz for, for for that kind of thing um, was was when I sort of stumbled into into recruitment. Really, it's not a franchise, but it's something where you're you've got somebody else's name over the door, but you're effectively uh, rewarded based on your profitability as a absolutely. as an individual. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think and how it sort of stemmed from there really was you know I'd, I'd worked for a couple of different recruitment companies. I'd done I'd done reasonably well and you know, got myself up to a senior level within a, a shortish space of time. And, um, and you know, obviously when the, when the pandemic hit and, you know, there's not really, there wasn't really sort of like too much to do. You get a, a lot of thinking time. You know, I, I spent sort of most of that summer up on the, uh, up on the golf course with my, uh, with my friend Maury, um, uh, who also worked, worked in recruitment at the same company as me. And, you know, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of, a lot of walking and talking and thinking, and you know, I, I, it was, it was kind of sort of at, at that point where, you know, I decided, you know, that I want to, I want to do something for myself. I want to, I want to work, work on my, on my own initiative, and, you know, because I think to be successful within recruitment, you know, it's not a nine to five job, and. You know, you spend a lot of time in the evenings, you know, speaking to various people and sending emails and, you know, you're doing that for a very small piece of the pie. Um, so it just felt like a natural progression to, 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 to look to find something else to, uh, you know, that, that would be mine as opposed to, you know, doing it for somebody else. So did this um, 
road to Damascus moment happen on the golf course then you pretty pretty much sort of hit by a <laughs> hit yeah. by an asteroid and uh, <laughs> that yeah. was it everything changed yeah yeah pretty much I mean speaking of asteroids I think that was me pinging golf balls around that people had to watch out for <laughs> so I think I, I think a few people on the um at St Clement's uh, golf club uh uh you know probably fell victim to, to a few of my a few of my asteroids so um but yeah no it, it was really and um you know I think I think at that time perhaps the obvious thing would be would be perhaps recruitment but you know I think you know some of the some of the advice and you know, things that I've read up on was just you know look for that look for that opportunity and that and that sort of gap in the market and you know, whilst being in the in the in the height of a pandemic, you know, cleaning just seemed like the seemed like the very obvious choice. To be honest with you, um, so you know, and that's was, was the was the motivation that you thought, yeah, I can do cleaning and I can turn that into a business, or was it I want to start a business? Cleaning seems like the ideal one that I could get into. Um, a little bit of both, to be honest with you, because, you know, I saw that as an opportunity and a gap in the market. And, you know, I was looking at one or two different ideas, but I was looking through it, looking through it, you know, various competitors within this sector locally, looked at perhaps what they weren't doing too well, whether this was marketing wise or, you know, with their websites, um, you know, spoke to, spoke to a lot of cleaners um you know found out what they liked about their companies what they didn't like and you know I just sort of just sort of ran with it from there to be honest with you um but I think the the principles of 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 what running a cleaning company you know entails is is very similar to to what I have been doing you know in essence winning a winning a client or winning a contract and then finding good people to put into those into those contracts so you know Although it was, although it was different, it was the same. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, it was the, the the principles were the same, so it didn't feel like I was going to be veering too far away from what I'd done reasonably successfully over the last three or four years. You know, again, you know, more piece of advice that you know I've, I've networked with a lot of people, and you know, the the some of the, some of the best advice I got was, you know, if if you are the business, it's very hard to scale. So it was always going to be a case of you know, of other people doing the actual the actual physical work, um, and then um, and then sort of taking it from there because, you know, if I if I turn up with you know a mop and bucket, you know, if you see me and you're the client, you're banging trouble. Um, you know, I'd, r- I'd rather get the uh, the experts to do that. Um, well, that's uh, really and, and... that's really intriguing because. Um... <laughs> I'm I'm interested about how you got your first contract, and then you would have had to employ someone in order to fulfil that contract. So yeah. how did how did that come about? It came via a uh, old college friend that I done uh, I done sport with at college. Actually, he's worked in a state agency and he progressed onto onto really good things. And he set up his own his own agency. So uh, shout out to Potter's estate agent. Um, and. Uh, you know, he saw that I'd sort of gone on this venture, and you know, like a lot of lots of letting agents, they they you know they outsource all their cleaning for their for their for their landlords and the properties that they manage, and and yeah, they had a uh, an oven that needed cleaning, so he reached out to me and said, oh look, you know, can you give us a price for this? And 
you know, a little bit of a realization moment. We've got to actually do this now. Um, <laughs> um, so as soon as we sort of got that job in, you know, that was when I'd reached out to one or two people that I'd interviewed and things sort of progressed from there, really. You know, I had honest conversations with the people that I interviewed and said, look, this is where we are. We're brand new. We're just starting up. You know, I'm not promising you a job, you know, tomorrow or next week or even a month down the line. But, you know, this was this was the situation. So I made people aware of that before I interviewed them, which you know, I think it helps build up that trust. And and then I, I reached out to them after we got that first job and we got someone in there to do it. And, you know, that was sort of how it started, really, just a, a, a humble oven clean. So um yeah it was so, a, so you took this um huge step uh and and again for people who are starting off businesses mm. they are often concerned about cash flow where's the money going to come from to keep you going until the contracts build up mm -hmm. um were you sitting on millions of pounds here ready to uh to start this business it would have made life a lot a lot easier colin um <laughs> no i wasn't um so I, I had, uh, I've, I've always had really old NAF cars, you know, really old. And, and I think it was, it was probably about six months prior. So around about the time I was on the golf course, to be honest with you, I, um, I spent a few grand and got a, uh, it was a Mazda 6. It's only 2016. And this is, we're going back to obviously sort of 20, 2019 now, aren't we? So it was, you know, it was new-ish. And that, but that was by far the newest car I'd ever had. I absolutely loved it. Japanese, so I had all the mod cons, you know, reversing camera, which was ideal because I'm terrible at parking. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, I was, it got to the point where, you know, look, I'd saved a little bit through, through furlough. Um, but at the same time, me and my wife, Claire, were, you know, saving money because we, we were buying a house at the end of that year as well. So, you know, didn't really have huge amounts, amounts of cash flow. So, um, you know, I had to I had to press on and, and sell the Mazda, unfortunately, which I got, you know, a lot less than what I paid for it, um, which was which was which was very upsetting. But just just how the market was at the time. And yeah, so I had I had about four thousand pounds sort of that I could start I could put into the business and and with that that was that was getting me you know a, a thousand pounds for a for a crusty old van so I was back in an old vehicle again that was great um so a thousand pounds for an old vehicle had to get it signed written for a bit of advertising um and uh and yeah just get loads of equipment in get my insurances uh you know ready to ready to go public liability and employers liability and whatnot and it was kind of with that that I had probably about a grand left just sitting there in cash flow that I could that I had sat there for emergencies or to pay staff if you know people were late paying and you know that was sort of pretty much all we all we started with really we didn't really have didn't really have too much <laughs> too much behind us really okay. No, that's that is remarkable, and and again, I think a lot of people are deterred from starting business because they're concerned about cash flow, which is understandable. But the fact you just, well, I think they use the term bootstrapped, which is basically just use your savings to to get you into the marketplace and then go from there. You know, there are some great options out there, um, and you know, you can get 
you know, government backed loans at, at, at quite low rates. And, and, you know, interestingly, you know, cause I, after we'd sort of been through our first couple of weeks, I was thinking, you know, I had like ideas of different equipment to buy and things like that. So I thought, look, let's go through this. So, you know, I started the process for that and you had to do like cash flows and forecasts and things like that. And, you know, I actually went through the process to doing that, but by the time it got round to us being potentially accepted for that, you know, we'd, we'd had other jobs on and, and the bank balance was building up. And I thought, well, look, I'm not just going to take a loan for the sake of taking a loan. And we, and we, and we didn't bother in the end. Um, but, you know, there are, there are some really good, good, you know, options out there. If, if people were worried about about cash flow, um, so no, it's it's not always straightforward. So, you know, but what happened after that first uh, customer, that first contract that you had? What what happened next? You know, speaking to lots of letting agents. You know, that was that was that was quite key for us. We picked up a few jobs doing that, which was which was fantastic. And then, you know, with the with the Google ad, adverts that we paid for, you know that. But it did sort of like bump us up quite a lot, really. And, you know, we were, we were getting some good traction from that. You know, our, our phones were ringing more than what we were calling out looking at work. And I think it was very important for us to grow organically um, because, you know, it sort of got to a point where, you know, I could have done more business development. We could have took on more work. But I think particularly in this industry, you know, quality is, is, is really key. And if you're uh, if you're if you're not delivering the quality, then you know your reputation can 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 crumble around you pretty quickly. Um, so you know, I wanted to focus on quality and not just you know make snap hires and send random people out to jobs just to try and make some some quick money. Um, you know, so pretty much paused a lot of business development for a, for quite a while really, and just kind of worked with what came in, um, and that was enough for. For us to cope with to be honest with you um but yeah it sort of it sort of progressed to you know end of tenancies with letting agents private people giving us a call wanted a, ha- uh, a house clean you know we were doing some people were contacting us about regular regular domestic cleaning so might, might want a cleaner sort of two hours a week and you know that was something that we would fulfill um you know i was a uh on the development where I live in Ipswich, there's a, uh, a small Facebook group of sort of a couple of hundred people on there. And I put an advert on there about, you know, you look, I'm from the, I'm from the development, you know, I've just started this business and, you know, we picked up a few clients through that, you know, being nice and local. So. Did you use Google reviews? Cause I know that's something that not every, um, every business uses, but did, did that help? Yeah, oh, massively. Um, and I, and that's, that still sort of helps to this day, really. And, you know, I looked at some of the other competitors locally and they don't, you know, they don't really push it too hard. I think maybe it's because I'm a little bit more new school coming into business. And, and you know, I know if I'm looking for, if I'm looking for, you know, a, a car wash, I'm going to Google Ipswich car wash. I'm not going to get up the yellow pages. You know, I'm just going to Google Ipswich car wash. If there's three there and one's got, you know, five star reviews, then they're the ones I'm going to contact, even if it costs me an extra couple of quid. It's just, it's just how it works. And a lot of other companies, you know, seem to be falling short on that. So I saw that as an opportunity to, uh, you know, to, 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 you know, utilize that really. And, you know, after we completed the job, send through 
you know, a link to, you know, if people would like to leave us a review. Um, and yeah, that's, that's really sort of pushed us forward, really. Yeah, I'm told by marketing people that that's called social proof and that it works extremely well because if you have real life customers, clients, you know, giving yeah. feedback, then yeah, it really does support, you know, the, pro- the offer that you are making. So how long, or how old is the business now then, George? How, how long has it been up and running? We went live at the end of January last year, so yeah. End of 2020, January 21. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first job was in February, so we're yeah, probably about 13, 13 months since our first job. And how's the business looking now? And you know, what, what would be the major highlights of uh, the last, what, 13, 14 months? I think the way that we've adapted to to uh, and found a little bit of a niche within the construction industry is really good. Um, you know, there's financially, it's a really good market for us to be in. You know, it's a very buoyant market at the moment, and that's something that we had to adapt to. And the cleans are very, very different. So, we've built some really good relationships with uh, with construction companies. You know, just all over the east of England, really. So not just Ipswich or Suffolk. You know, in Essex, Norfolk, Cambridgeshire. So we've done. We've done pretty well on that on that front, but I think with um, you know probably the most interesting highlight was uh, uh, we ended up doing some uh, some cleaning for uh, uh, for a, a company called uh, Sister Pictures, um, and they are the production company uh, working on behalf of Amazon Prime for a for a new series um, which is which is being filmed at the moment. So. We managed to get the cleaning contract for that, so it was a little bit of a whirlwind summer for us. Um, having you know, still sort of, still uh, still taking baby steps, and you know, there we are. <laughs> so, how did that come about? It, it was a little bit of a strange one, really. We had so on on our website, we've got contact forms, so people can send inquiries, and uh, you know, I had an email pop up, uh, and an inquiry had come through. And he said, you know, that he's a producer from a from a film company looking for looking for some some cleaners, basically. I thought oh, it sounds a little bit interesting, you know. Not had anything like this pop up before. So he left his number. I gave him a call when he was the uh, he was one of the one of the producers for for Sister Pictures, and um, they were uh, they were filming over in Bordsey in Suffolk. And what they wanted is they wanted a cleaner a day, seven days a week whilst they were constructing the, the set, uh, which was a huge set, one and a half million the set cost, which incidentally they knocked down at the end of it, which is mental, um, shows how much money they've got. Um, and uh, and yeah, you know, we've done a pretty good job on that. You know, things went really well. And then and they said, oh, how would you feel about joining us for the, uh, for the filming? Uh, I thought, okay, yeah, great. Thought they might say, yep, yeah, no, that's fine. We need an extra, extra person a day or something like that. Boy, I was wrong. <laughs> it is. It was like an absolute circus. Yeah, they wanted uh, wanted twelve cleaners over a twenty four hour period for, you know, for for a couple of months, and you know, it was very full on. You know, getting we would get the the the, the running order for the day. I would get that email to me, and you'd see all the big sheets about you know what actors are being called to what location at where, and you know. Saw some uh, saw some pretty crazy things, and you know we shared our marquee. The cleaners' marquee was shared with all the extras. So, so uh, you know, you'd I'd go and check in on the team, do a little visit, and you know I see that see the cleaners standing there, and they're amongst those of nuns, and 
you know, 80s American police officers. <laughs> it was it was bizarre, completely bizarre, draining. Yeah, was that quite a risk for you? Because that must have been quite pricey to provide that level of support well, with, I suppose, a risk on the other side. You know, something could happen with them, might fold. You know. Yeah, it was because we could easily cope with the, the filming, you know, get a cleaner in a day. That wasn't an issue. Um, but I was very honest about where we were as a company, but I'd built up a really good relationship with them. You know, they were really happy with the service that we, we had offered them. Um, and I think it was, you know, it all, all sort of really hit home when they said, um, yeah, this is a list of stuff that we need, cleaning products wise. Um, you know, if you can, uh, if you can purchase all them, um, whatever is, you know, left over at the end, then we'll sort of pay you for us. Something along those lines anyway. And, uh, you know, when they sent me the list through, you know, it was, it was on, it was like 18,000 bin bags and, you know, 20,000 over the shoe shoes and 800 bottles of bleach. I'm like, I, was, <laughs> I just sort of sat back in my chair. I was like, oh, you know, how, how on earth are we going to cope with this? So I just, I just had an honest conversation. I said, look, we'd love to work with you. We can get you the, we can get you the manpower. Would, you know, we can we can cover the jobs, but you know, I just I just don't. We don't have the the budget to physically pay out for all of this because this was thousands and thousands of pounds. Um, so um, fortunately, they sort of agreed to uh, if I get everything ordered, I've just got to forward the invoice to them, and, and they they kindly covered that for us, um, which was fantastic. But yeah, like you say, there was still. There was still a lot of people that were on our on our you know on our pay run then, which you know you don't get paid up front for for all the all the hours that all the staff are doing, you know, and we weren't paying cheap either because you know it was quite a demanding job, long days, funny start times, so we had to we had to have a decent pay rate for people. So that was a lot of money going out of the business. Um, so we just had to sort of cut our cloth accordingly during that time. But as soon as we, as soon as we got the uh, the first invoice through, then then everything was okay. But um, normally yeah. speaking, I'll invoice monthly for for a lot of our regular jobs, contract cleaning jobs. I'll invoice monthly, but you know when I saw the uh, the size of of what we'd be paying out, you know you better believe that every Monday morning for the previous week I was there sending invoices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that one paid and. Fortunately, that no, again, though, that's a, a huge lesson because I think so often as small businesses, people are afraid of approaching or dealing with big clients because they're just, you know, they're, they're putting themselves at risk in different ways. But the fact that you were open and honest with them about the mm -hmm. difficulties that that could cause you potentially, mm -hmm. and they obviously bought into what you did and trusted you, and mm -hmm. that seems to have worked out really well. Mm. Oh, exactly, exactly. And I think. I think that was the key thing, really, because we'd already built up that relationship initially, and they were really pleased with what we were doing, yeah. you know. And it was just just a case of being being as honest as possible and say, "Look, this is a situation we can cover the we can cover the work for you." You know, we know we do a really good job, but you know, we 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 just don't have the facility to be able to pay that out out yeah. up front. And but they were very good with that, and you know, weekly invoices and, and things like that. They were very good, so. You know, that, that so do you know when it's going to be broadcast? When you're going, to... um, I'm told it's going to be autumn this year, right? So uh, we can all look out for 
a nice bit of the Suffolk coast. Yeah, that's it. And that's seeing it. your handiwork. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it was, uh, you know, I, I did try and sort of like sneak on set a couple of times, you know, get the Vivo logo in. But um, and I keep, I, every, every now and then I keep badgering the, the executive producer. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll send him an email and uh, just uh, just ask the question. So are we going to be on the credits then or...? Absolutely. Uh, you know, I keep I, I keep working on that, but I'm not I'm not I'm not sure how how well we we'll get on really because they do they do film it all over with loads of different companies. So that'll be a long old credit list. But you never know. They went from uh, they went from Borsi to South Africa after us. So oh, yeah, okay, um, you know, a little bit of a change in wildlife. That's for sure. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I wonder what the cleaners down there had to contend with. That would have been something very different, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yeah, very good. Um, so that that must have been an incredible experience to get that within the first few months of starting the business. How how are you thinking now? How do you see the business developing? Giving us a taste for 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 bigger jobs with bigger clients. Um, it's, it's sometimes it's difficult to 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 get hold of these to get hold of these. You know, sometimes you have to go through tendering processes your turnover needs to be x amount a year for them to you know even consider consider you um but it's, it's given us a taste for that really um and to, to to be bold in what we do um you know i think when it comes to the the filming industry you know i think you know whether we'd get something like that again you know whether they had more on set cleaning wise because of covid and whether it would be quite so uh, gargantuan as what it was in the summer i don't really know um but we're you know we're we're, we're in good dialogue with uh with screen suffolk screen norfolk um there's some partners in essex as well uh you know when i do sort of you know regularly pester some of the big broadcasting companies because <clears throat> you know what we've what we've managed to to get ourselves on that summer has put us ahead of a lot of other companies, even nationwide, haven't dealt with something like that. So, you know, in terms of experience levels, although we're a young company, in terms of filming, because we've dealt with that, you know, we're we're, we're quite high up in that regard. So, so absolutely, that is something that we'd we'd look to we'd look to pursue. Um, you know, whether that is events, festivals, filming. You know, we're 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 quite open to uh, to to other ideas, really. And what about what you're doing as well? Because um, I understand you're exploring a, a new uh, business opportunity as well. Yeah, yeah, no. So um, we've got Vivo Clean, so now we've got Vivo Recruit, and uh, that is that's that's been set up with my um, with my partner as Salam, um, very good friend of mine. Worked with him um, in my in my recruitment days and. Uh, and he, he specialises in, you know, in, in, in construction recruitment. Now, we, we as a cleaning business, you know, as mentioned earlier, we, we, we've, done, we've done so much work with, with construction companies. Um, and, it's, you know, it is fast becoming a little bit of a niche for us. Um, so, you know, by setting up Viva Recruit, I mean, that is purely aimed at the at the what they call white collar uh, which is you know the more management level so it could be high level commercial staff quantity surveyors estimators um, or it could be more operational so site managers contract managers 
you know, there's there's a lot of doors that I can open on the on the cleaning side for for Vivo Recruit because you know I've built relationships with various different construction companies. Um, so you know, there's a little bit of of lead sharing there, and then you know, by the same token, with with Vivo Recruit with the with the relationships that As is building and uh, and and the company over there is building. That's that sort of pushed a few things our way for the for, for sort of after build cleans and sparkle cleans and whatnot as well. So the the two companies are, are different enough to stand there on their own merit, but they're quite nicely aligned for for, for growth within the group really. Um, as we as as we continue forward for the for, for this year. So when did you start off Vivo Recruit? When did that? Um, so running? we yeah so so we 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 got up and running uh, beginning of last month. So, uh, so yeah, so very much in its infancy, but you know we've we've made a really good start and and and, and built some really good, you know, you know relations um, already, which is which is fantastic. So we were quite fortunate, really. We, I mean, our office is over at uh, is uh, is is over at Epsilon House in, in at Ransom's Euro Park, and we we've got a lovely big office for Vivo Clean and Vivo Recruit was working out of that and. Uh, you know, as luck would have it, there's a company next door to us in the literally the office next door who had been there for nine years. I've, I've just moved on. So we've snapped up the office next door. So so we've now got room to to grow and develop both companies with plenty of desk space. Um, and we're literally next door to each other. Obviously, you did a lot of work early on in your career in coaching and, mm-hmm. you know, going into teaching and so on, which inevitably leads to, I would suggest, you know pretty high level of people skills because mm. you're not just telling people what to do you're sort of working around them in that in the way that only coaches seem to be able to do yeah. um, how do you feel that's affected the business startup I think it's been imperative to be honest with you um, because I think a lot of uh, a lot of the things like numbers and and various bits and pieces it's you know you can learn all that sort of you know afterwards but when working um, as a coach, I mean, it wasn't just children that I was working with. You know, I worked with people from you know various different ages, seventies all the way through different different cultures. Um, you know, I've worked with a with a variety of people from different backgrounds, and that does stand you in good stead. Um, you know, to have that sort of almost emotional intelligence, really, to be able to adjust how you're coming across to certain people and you know, reading room if you if if you like. And um, you know, that's that's been really good stead, I think, and the business, whether that's bringing new clients on board, you know, say we I go from one phone call will be with a, a site manager and we're we're effing and jeffing, you know, and then you know I've got a another phone call with, you know, a, a you know a landlord who owns, you know, 30 or properties and you know he's very prim and proper. So, you know, <laughs> it's uh you know, it is it's quite an art to be able to uh, quite an art to be able to uh, you know you know get your point across and to sell yourself to to to, to a variety of different people. So you know, I, th- I think that's sort of in really good stead. Uh, to be fair, so uh, yeah, it's it, it certainly helps. Good. Well, thank you for sharing your journey with us. That's been really interesting and fascinating just to hear how successful you've been in your first 15 months or so of of operating vivo clean and yeah i hope that you've got some very exciting times again coming with vivo recruit excellent thank you very much colin cheers it's been a pleasure
So thank you for listening to today's edition of the Suffolk Money Podcast, supported by Kingsfleet Wealth. So please do subscribe and give us a five-star rating so that others can discover the work that we do. And I'm, as always, indebted to those people who come on and are interviewed and this week uh, for George and uh, his amazing vision for creating this current business and the new one that is now underway. I'm indebted, as always, too, to Joy Day uh, for working on our website and the visuals and to Sally Birch and Kevin Birch for their skills in booking speakers and producing the wonderful finished article which they come up with. Please do join us next time for the Suffolk Money Podcast.